sympathy, zero mercy. One more time for all of you in the back. Coronavirus is part of the game during this pandemic. The better you manage it, the better your team will fare. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network Steelers will be back on the field today over on the south side at noon, setting up a very regular, very ordinary week of practice for them. The Browns will be doing no such thing, by all accounts, as their facility in Berea, Ohio, will remain closed for a second consecutive day. The head coach, Kevin Stefanski, tested positive yesterday, as did one of his assistants, as did two of his players, notably their best offensive lineman, guard Joel Batonio. The Browns have had other COVID issues over the past couple of weeks, and according to the NFL's medical people, they see the Browns as currently fighting off three different strains of the virus, all of which have come through community spread. And at the risk of going all Dr. Fauci on you, basically it means they're not out of the woods yet. They seem to think it's manageable, but then you'll recall so did the Ravens, and before them so did the Titans. This is now outbreak three for the National Football League, and maybe not coincidentally, all three of them have come in a week where the opponent was to face the Steelers. I have a couple of thoughts on this before I get to what is the real thrust of what I want to share today. Uh, The couple of thoughts are, I don't ever say this stuff in taking it lightly. I've known people, people very, very close to me, who've been hit with this. The number one concern that anybody should have is that all individuals and everybody around them recover fully. Just feel like that needs to be said. Another thing uh, to get out of the way is that the Browns apparently have done okay here. This wasn't a case of gross negligence the way we saw uh, with the Titans, uh, with the way Mike Vrabel handled things and with those players sneaking off to that college campus to conduct a semi-secret practice. Uh, And it wasn't a case like the Ravens where it was the strength and conditioning coach walking around without a mask while everybody's lifting weights in his room. Uh, It really looks like the Browns just got seriously unlucky. Now, that said, from the football standpoint, purely from the football standpoint, I don't care. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by Warrior Alpaca Socks. What makes these socks different is the alpaca fiber used in their construction. It's stronger, softer, far less irritating to the skin, more breathable, warmer than wool, hypoallergenic. They come in all-day wear socks with a wide variety of styles and colors, outdoor work socks, cozy bed socks, lightweight diabetic compression socks. They all look and feel great. Treat yourself to a pair. Go to warrioralpacasocks.com and use the code DK to get 15% off your first order. That's just for our podcast listeners. One more time, warrioralpacasocks.com. 
The code is DK. Mike Tomlin sounded a very business-like note. He yesterday in in his meeting with us, he he tends to get predictably and understandably a little extra ramped up for playoffs. And when Tomlin gets ramped up, he tends to really blitzkrieg you with the Tomlinisms. Listen, listen to this beautiful set right here. We recognize what's waiting on us at the end of the week. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about that. Uh, we're just going to con- continually work to to be singularly focused in our day to day work uh, to to create great days um, and and to push our chips toward the middle of the table, knowing that. Uh, the bills are going to come due at the end of the week, and and that's just the nature of this thing. Uh, we're excited about being in the tournament. Um, we understand the scarcity of these opportunities. We don't take that for granted. We also take a great deal of pride of being representatives of the AFC North in this tournament and, and the other representatives of the AFC North uh, in this tournament. We got a lot of divisional pride. Uh, we believe the, 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 the tough battles that are on display week in and week out as we push toward this tournament in terms of sorting out the AFC North really hardens us for this tournament and positions us for this tournament. I'm sure Baltimore and Cleveland feels the same way. Um, But at the end of the week, man, all the talking is going to stop and it's just going to be the play. And, and, and that's how it should be. That man's focus. I can promise you with drop dead certainty will be 100% on the Steelers, not on the Browns. If anything, from the Pittsburgh perspective, you'd like to think that the Steelers could benefit from lessons learned in the regular season, A, against the Ravens. Remember when the Ravens came to town missing 10 guys and all these other guys who'd never taken an NFL snap, and they ended up messing around with that game long enough that it was Risking one of the ugliest losses in franchise history, I dare say. They managed to just barely get away with it in 1914. But also throw in Cincinnati. I I think there are positives to come from even the worst negatives. That's true in life. It's certainly true in sports. The Steelers, I think, will be stronger for having had those experiences. If the Browns happen to report to Heinz Field on Sunday with some kind of skeleton crew, or even just what they're missing right now. Their play caller, one of their top offensive linemen, so forth. There has to be an understanding that it doesn't matter. It's a playoff game. It's one and done. You have to go at it like, quote-unquote, game seven. You know what I mean? There has to be that mentality that all the other circumstances... Don't matter. I'd like to think the Steelers have grown up from those other lessons. I'd like to think the Steelers are capable of keeping their eye there, just as I would like to think that they're capable of managing their own situations better. Joe Hayden's going to miss this game. Joe Hayden had a New Year's Eve party. A couple of the people at Joe Hayden's New Year's Eve party, notably Eric Ebron, were put on the contact tracing list. They missed the game in Cleveland. Uh, That's not a great look for a veteran, uh, a smart guy like Hayden, to do that. I'd like to think that the Steelers are smarter as a collective 
than to be doing anything like that and running a risk the rest of the way. Here's the biggest issue for me as it relates to all this stuff. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that should prompt the NFL to consider not playing this game, at least not in the current circumstances. I'd also like to think that the NFL will handle this as fairly and responsibly as possible. We're not in the regular season anymore. There's a date for the Super Bowl. There are a date for other playoff games. There are all kinds of contingencies in place. Yeah, sure, of course, you can push back the Super Bowl. You can have all kinds of reactions to different situations. But what you can't do is allow for any team that's experiencing a competitive, and I'm underscoring competitive, disadvantage to benefit from any kind of delay. If there's evidence, and I mean hard scientific slash medical evidence, of a continuing spread of new cases, of maybe even a case where something worked its way from the Browns to the Steelers in light of the fact that, you know, they just played each other on Sunday, then that's got to be laid out. But if it's a case of something like what we saw a couple weeks ago when the Browns were forced to play without all, all of their wide receivers in that remarkable loss to the Jets, I don't care. I don't care. you got to play. you got to play. If Kevin Stefanski's entire staff comes down with this, still speaking strictly from the football standpoint here, I don't care from the football standpoint. It doesn't matter. They can be the first coachless team in sports history, and it doesn't matter. It's a competitive thing. It's a competitive advantage or disadvantage. That's the way the NFL wrote up these regulations, and the NFL held to it for the most part when it came to forcing the Broncos, for example, to not play with a quarterback. The Browns without wide receivers, other teams without all of their running backs. We've seen it around the league. The only time we saw the league really, really, really bend over backward, and I'll leave you to your own conspiracy theories on this, is with the Ravens. Because maybe, 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 and I'll share my own, <laughs> it has something to do with the fact that Roger Goodell and Baltimore's owner Steve Biscotti are buds. And they waited and they waited and they waited and they moved heaven and earth and contrived all kinds of crap to make sure that the Ravens and Steelers could get that game in. That can't happen this time. It can't. If we hear about more cases tomorrow, and I'd be surprised if we didn't, if we hear of something from the Pittsburgh side, and none of that really could qualify as a surprise either, given the times that we're in. Gotta play the game. Gotta play the game. I'll underscore this with big, bold highlighter. The Bills are facing the Colts Saturday at 1 p.m. 
the Bills are going to be favored. They should be favored. They should win that game. They might win it running away. The Bills will already have a 36-hour advantage on rest and recovery over the Steelers should the Steelers advance since they're playing Sunday night at Heinz Field. If you push Steelers versus Browns back even by a day, even by half a day, you're already messing with your schedule recklessly. You're risking the whole thing. Once more, in case it didn't come across, I'm not saying this applies to scientific-slash-medical issues. I'm saying that this can't be delayed in any way based on a competitive disadvantage. The NFL needs to respond to the way it did to the Broncos and to the Browns, not at all the way it did to the Ravens and the Titans. When we come back, just one question. Courtesy of our friends at Luxembourg Garbage, Kelly and George, or LGKG. That's a personal injury law firm that represents people who are hurt in car accidents, who need help with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG pride themselves in keeping their promises. They've been doing that in our region for over 80 years. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City, and you can learn more online at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. Today's Just One Q comes from Mr. G. He's referencing a small portion of yesterday's show in which I mentioned that Chase Claypool needs to come down with more contested balls. Mr. G says, if you look at the incompletions on the deep sideline throws, he often seems to be falling, twisting around, or getting interfered with. Drawing penalties is great when they're called, but as we saw in the Browns game, they weren't all called, and I don't expect to see many flags thrown in the playoffs. So it comes down to this. Is he going to make the combat catches despite the grabbiness? Or will defenses just develop an M.O.? to maul him and hope there's no flag. This is this is a tough one, Mr. G. You did not let me off easily today. To me, Chase Claypool's biggest issue, if you can say that a rookie who's been as uplifting as he's been to have any issues, if you're really talking about long-term and what are the things that can make him uh, a superior wide receiver in the NFL over a lot of years. The main thing that I've seen isn't really what you're describing, although I don't disagree with you. The main thing that I've seen is that when he sees a pass, especially on deep balls, that isn't pristine, that he just basically kind of throws one hand out and lets the ball hit off the hand, and that's the end of the play. Now, Nobody knows better than the wide receiver himself to what degree that ball is catchable. So it's easy for people like me and you 
to criticize it. Uh, it could be easy even for a coach or a teammate to criticize it. But he knows, and he knows whether or not he could sell out by diving the way we saw Deontay Johnson do a couple of weeks ago against the Colts, where you just completely go for it. You say, you know what, I don't care about my body in this situation. I'm doing whatever I have to do to catch that ball. He knows that. And I saw a couple of balls in particular in Cleveland that I felt Chase could have made more of an effort toward, more of a sellout effort. But I'm always reminded, at the risk of mixing sports here, of how baseball infielders, especially shortstops, will tell you uh, and roll their eyes when they do it about diving for balls up the middle or diving for balls into the hole. Uh, One shortstop once told me, I could do that on every play and impress everyone with my effort, and I'd also beat myself up, and I wouldn't be anywhere near as effective in the field or at the plate if I did that 300 times a year. And I can respect that too. A shortstop knows if that ball is getting through or not. You see what I'm saying? The wide receiver knows. But I see Claypool on these deep routes a lot of times. He's waiting a little too long to size up where the ball is coming down, what the trajectory is. And then once he realizes he's either off the trajectory or he hasn't made the adjustment, there's just this little one-handed thing at the end, and it's like, oh, well, I didn't get it. Contrast that to Juju Smith-Schuster's touchdown a couple weeks ago against the Colts, where if you watched it carefully and you watched his route, he was supposed to basically burst up the middle and go in a straight line as a seam. Ben threw the ball in an area more to the left because Ben saw where the Indianapolis defense was and basically just winged it and said, you know what, I'm going to put this up where I know they can't get it and where hopefully Juju can. It is, and I wrote this at the time and I spoke it at the time, a gorgeous adjustment by Juju. To me, it was one of his better catches of the year, even though when you see it just at the very end, it looks like, eh, whatever, ball just plopped in there, and then he dances. Uh, there's, there doesn't look like there's much to it, but there actually was. I want to see more of that in Claypool's game before I get into any of the discussion that you're talking about, combat catches, fighting people off. I think Chase has that in him, but I do agree with you that we saw more of that from him early on this season. Remember the great, great catch in East Rutherford against the Giants in the season opener where it looked like there was no chance he'd get the ball, and he came down with it because he fended that guy off. He fought hard for the ball. I'm not seeing enough of that. I agree with you, but I also think this other thing is a bigger issue at the moment. Thanks so much for that. Really good stuff. Give me questions like this. This is great. Makes you think. You know, it doesn't mean that what I answer is right or whatever. It makes all of us think. That's good. That's healthy. Uh, Thanks to everybody for listening. We're going to do this again tomorrow. At Point. 
Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.